What's up, chapel? How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, yeah, they were talking in uh, our, we pray before service, we meet and pray, and they were talking about the, the griddle giveaway, and I said, man, I can only imagine whatever redneck wins that griddle at home thinking he's a bocce chef, doing the egg roll and doing the little choo-choo train, but then I started thinking, you know, as rednecks, like, you're probably not doing a bocce, you're probably more like a Waffle House chef, so you'd be back there throwing down some double smothered, covered uh, hash browns and getting your cholesterol all high, so uh, hopefully whoever wins it has fun feeding their family, and I, I will say, Happy Father's Day, that I know in this day and age, being a man is very difficult with all the responsibilities, with all the cultural influences, and I was uh, preaching yesterday at a men's conference for Marcus Moten at New Remnant, and Coach Brent Dearman from UNA was there, and Pastor Abraham Moore uh, was there, who y'all know has preached here before, but Coach Dearman made this statement, he said, it's no wonder that people are so confused about their gender. We have taken masculinity, masculinity completely out of culture, taken it from the home, taken it from men, and all that's left is confusion. And I will tell you that God is looking for godly, strong, masculine men that he can build a foundation upon to bless families, to bless wives. My pastor told me the greatest gift you can give your church, the greatest gift you can give the women of your church is a strong, godly husband. And I still believe that to this day, that the greatest gift that God can give a family is a strong, God-honoring husband and father. And so there are a ton of those in this room today. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Give them all a big round of applause one more time. We're going to continue our, our Hearing God's Voice series. If you have a Bible training, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Last week we talked about how God is speaking because you are his sheep. He speaks to his sheep as a shepherd. And today we're going to dig a little bit deeper on how to hear God's voice. And so a couple years ago, uh, I coached uh, Little League Baseball Muscle Shoals with some uh, friends from here at the church. I was an assistant coach and Bumper Seal was the head coach. And so it was like four or five different uh, chapel kids on that team. So it was complete chaos. And I just remember Bumper, Bumper's this real mellow, cool, fun guy. Like I'm more the strategic guy and it was hard coaching because the moms thought they were better coaches than all the dads. Right? Y'all may not know this problem, but they are yelling and all this stuff. And I remember one day, I'm coaching third base. Our kid runs from first to second, and the kid is out by like four or five feet. I mean, he's just completely, I mean, I don't even think he made it to the bag. They ump calls him out. The kid starts walking dugout, and Bumper comes out dugout. Tom! And he walks across that field. He gets in that umpire's face. He starts talking and talking and talking. I'm like, what in the world is Bumper talking about? Like the kid was out by five miles, and Bumper's just giving this umpire the business. And he starts walking back. I was like, Bumper, come here. I was like, what are you arguing? That kid was out by six feet. He says, I don't know. I didn't even see it. I just want the parents to think I'm doing a really good job. And so it was hard to coach this team because you would be telling the kids, stop on second. But mom was like, keep on running, son. You would tell the kid, don't swing to the next pitch. Daddy's back there saying, son, swing, hit a home run. Like it was impossible. And if you go to basketball games, little Johnny can't shoot a lick. And the coach is telling him, son, just pass the ball. But his dad thinks he's going to be the next Michael Jordan. When you get the ball, shoot. And the coach is saying one thing, and the fans are saying something else. And what I learned about coaching little kids is there's so much confusion that when they're trying to have fun and play this game, they have no idea what to do because the coach is trying to say one thing, 
But all the people in the stands are saying something else. And as kids, they can only listen to one voice at a time. And as adults, we can only listen to one voice at a time. And I think some of the confusion of hearing God's voice is we have the voice of culture and the voice of maybe our parents in the past, the voice of our inner voice, the voice of our spouse, and the voice of the TV, and the voice of the pastor, and the voice of your kids, and all these voices going on. And they're telling you to do all these different things, but there's only one voice that matters. On the baseball field, the only voice that matters is the coach. On the basketball court, the only voice that matters is the coach. On the football field, the only voice that matters is the coach. And in life, the only voice that matters in your life is not the stands and not the fans and not the paparazzi and not the people that are spectating. The only voice that matters is your coach, God. When you listen to his voice, he will get you in the right position for victory after victory after victory. But sometimes you have to cut through the clutter and cut through the junk in order to get his voice to be the clearest voice in your life. And so in 1 Samuel 3, I'm going to read kind of this whole chapter. This is Samuel. This is Eli. This is Samuel who's been dedicated to the temple by his mom, Hannah. And, and he's there at the temple. He's growing up, and he's in this temple, which is actually the tabernacle. The temple hadn't been built yet. It's actually the tabernacle. It says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord. Everybody say ministry. I want you to circle that word ministering if you have a Bible. Because that is your first, first ministry as a believer, is to minister to the Lord. Not to other people, not to get, reach the laws, but to minister, to bless the Lord with your life. In the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, for there was no frequent vision. That word vision actually means prophetic insight. At the time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, which means it was probably in the wee hours of the morning towards 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. in the morning. The lamp of God had not gone out yet. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark was. Everybody say where the ark was. That is the holy of holies. That is where the presence of God dwells. So he's, he's laying down, he's sleeping where the presence of God is. Then the Lord called Samuel and said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, Eli said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again to Samuel and said, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So he's hearing the Lord's voice, but he, he, he can't discern the Lord's voice from Eli's voice. He can't discern whose voice it is because even though he's in the presence of the Lord, he hasn't personally began to know the Lord or know his voice. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, you will say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Or the King James says, sir, your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel, at which two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God. 
and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay until the morning. Man, it's hard to go to sleep if you hear God's voice, especially when he gives you that type of message. Samuel lay until the morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. It's interesting. Eli had stopped hearing God's voice because his heart had become hardened because he was allowing his sons to blaspheme God. And God was connecting him, associating him with his sons who were blaspheming. So he can't hear God. So now he's pushing Samuel. Tell me what God said. Tell me what God said. Tell me what God said. The people who chase prophetic words are the people that can't hear God themselves. And they try to push other people to give them a word. And here's poor Samuel saying, Lord Jesus. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what he seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. It's a powerful, powerful moment of this prophet Samuel being called into ministry by hearing God's voice while he's laid down in the temple with the presence of God. And I, and I think what's important for us to realize today is that God still whispers. And he wants your attention, and he wants to speak to you. When you look at Samuel... Three times the Lord spoke to him, but he didn't recognize his voice. One time he tried to get his attention. Samuel didn't recognize. Second time he says Samuel name, Samuel's name, tries to get his attention. He didn't recognize. A third time he calls his name. He still didn't recognize. And a fourth time he calls his name. And finally Samuel recognizes. Listen to me. Just because you don't hear God the first time doesn't mean God quit speaking. Like, he wants to talk to you more than you want to hear his voice. And as men, as Eli is witnessing here, the most important thing about a man is how he hears the voice of God. The most important thing about you is how you hear the voice of God, and you filter that into your family to help them discern what God is saying to them. And Eli had stopped at some point because we know his sons are blaspheming God living opposite of God's will, and blaspheming actually in the temple of God. And Eli, instead of listening to God's voice, he was too busy listening to his sons complaining and whining. And by doing so, his ears had become hard to God's voice, and God had to find somebody else he could speak to. And it just so happens this person he speaks to, he bypasses the priest, the experienced the learned, the seminarian, the person who'd, who'd been trained in the temple, the one who makes the sacrifices to God. He bypasses Eli and finds a little, young, 12-year-old boy. So that tells me throughout the Bible, God does not care of what your age is. God still whispers to the young, to the old, to the middle-aged, to the black, to the white, to the woman, to the man. He still whispers, and he's whispering to all of us right now. And it's blown my mind, we were talking about this a little bit before service, that I've been watching the Southern Baptist Convention this past week. Some of my best preacher friends are Southern Baptists. And I love and appreciate the Southern Baptist movement. It is, to me, it is the greatest missional, missional and evangelical organization the world has ever seen. They've sent out more missionaries all over the world than anybody ever in history. 
They've seen more salvations of souls than anybody else in all of church history. But they've been fighting this week, not over the gospel, not over even doctrine, not over the mission. They've been fighting over the term pastor. And can a woman be called a pastor? And the problem with that is this, it's the wrong question. The question is not, can a woman be called a pastor? God is not concerned with titles. Only men are concerned with titles. I'm only concerned with, can you hear God's voice and tell me what God said? And this scripture is, is profound that throughout the Bible, God speaks to young and old men and women. And God wants to speak to you, maybe not just for yourself, but maybe because there's some people around you that need to know what God is saying. Maybe there's some sons of Eli in your life that need to hear what God is saying to you to help them get out of their pit and get out of their sin and get back into the house of the Lord. God still whispers, and he wants to speak, and he will bypass the experienced. He will bypass the heart of heart to find somebody who's simply hungry for his presence. Samuel is living in the temple. He's sleeping in the presence of God. He's hungry. He's not seeking a word. He's not seeking a title. He's not seeking a gift. He's just simply hungry for the things of God. It's like God is saying, man, I've been trying to talk to Eli. Man, I've been trying to talk to his sons. Man, I just need somebody hungry enough to listen. And he looks down and finds little young Samuel laying down, sleeping next to the Ark of Covenant. He says, that's the guy. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel, trying to get his attention, and finally he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So God wants to speak, but just like Samuel, how do you know it's God who is speaking? How, how, how do you know God is that you? That's what Samuel is really saying is, is I, I keep hearing my name, and he goes to Eli, hey, Eli, like, what's up, man? Like, I'm trying to go to sleep. He says, hey, go back to sleep. It wasn't me. Three times, he had a difficult problem discerning God's voice from Eli's voice. And and I'll say this with with all transparency. If you start confusing the pastor's voice with God's voice, you're worshiping the wrong person. When you start expecting that the only way God can speak to you is through the preaching or through the pastor, you've already missed the point of your relationship with Jesus. And, and, And Eli's at this place, and Samuel's at this place where he thinks that when God speaks, it's actually Eli. He was confused. And so many of us, we get confused. Is this God? Is this myself? Is this my my past? Is this my hurt? Is this my pain? Is this somebody else? And so Samuel heard God's voice. He had difficulty discerning God's voice. I think part of it is because even though he was in the presence of God, he yet hadn't taken the time to truly get to know God. Much like many of the people in this room You're in the right place, but you hadn't taken the personal time to get to know the person of the place. And here is Samuel. He's in the right place. He knows the rituals. He knows the routines. He knows the process. He knows the sacrifice. He knows the layout of the tabernacle. He knows it all, but he hadn't taken the time to truly understand and know God's voice. And so the only way to truly get to know God's voice amongst the other voices is to know the difference between what is the personality of God, and what's the personality of all the other voices? See, when you know the personality of God, you'll begin to pick up his voice. You, you know what he sounds like. You know the things he says. You, you know how he 
talks to you. He's a whisperer. God's never going to just scream at you. He whispers. And when he whispers, it has a certain tone to it. And when he whispers, it has a certain content to it. When he whispers, it has a certain objective to it. And so the only way to truly discern God's voice is to know the real so well and be so familiar with the real that it's easy to spot a fake. We know this with counterfeit money that Secret Service agents, they don't study counterfeit money, they study real money. They'll take real money and they'll smell it, they'll feel it, they'll even taste it, they'll crumple it up, they'll cut it up, and they understand real money so well that as soon as a counterfeit bill is placed in their hands, they spot it immediately like this one. Throw that $200 bill up there. You may not be able to see that because it's pixel. That's George W. Bush. And a lady actually tried to use a $200 bill at KFC. I don't know how many buckets of chicken that is, but that's a whole lot of chicken. Obviously, as soon as somebody got that bill in their hand, the serial number says W on it. As soon as they got it, they realized it was counterfeit. Why? All of us in this room have seen real money. We know that there's a $100 bill and a $500 bill. There's no such thing as a $200 bill. We also know that President Bush is not on any currency that I know of. The only reason that's funny is because you know how fake it is. When you discover the real voice of God, you begin to laugh at the voice of the enemy because it becomes so stupid to you the things he tries to get you to do. It becomes so dumb the things he starts to say to you. Even there, there's a young Chinese boy, he just wanted to know real jade from fake jade so he could be and sell jade at the marketplace. And he found this Mr. Miyagi type guy, supposed to be the expert on jade. And he goes, he said, teach me how to recognize fake jade. And the old man just put a, a little piece of jade in his hand and just held it. And for the next couple months, he taught him philosophy. He taught him about hard work. It's just like Karate Kid, wax on, wax off. This little kid's getting mad. He's like, I didn't come here to learn about philosophy or how to wax cars. I want to know what fake jade is like. And he keeps on for months. Finally, the little boy gets so mad. He gets so mad. He says, I just wanted to know what jade is like. I'm tired of hearing about philosophy and all this. And the man put a piece of jade in his hand. And the little boy said, this is not jade. And he said, exactly. The boy didn't have to study it. He just placed it in his hands. What if you could discern God's voice so well and you knew his voice so clearly that as soon as a whisper from Satan came into your spirit, you could say, that's not God. What if your children were so attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit that as soon as the voice of Satan crept into their minds through TikTok or social media, through friends or through school or through whatever it may be, they can say, whoa, 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 stop, I'm not listening. That's not God. That's what God really wants. He wants you to be so familiar with the real that you can easily spot a fake. And I think what happens in this story, after Samuel hears God's voice and he understands, okay, that's God. From there on, it says, Every time he prophesied, his words never fell to the ground. Why? Because all he heard was God's words. He was so attuned to the voice of God that when he spoke, he was just reflecting God's words through prophecy. And so if you'll throw that up, the difference between God's voice and Satan's voice. Some of you have probably seen a meme like this going around. Is, is extremely different. 
When God speaks, it steals your soul. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. It calms you, it steals you. But when Satan speaks to you, he always rushes you. He rushes you into a decision. He rushes you into something new. God steals you. The Holy Spirit, God's voice, leads you. He leads you to still waters. He, he leads you. But Satan pushes you. He's trying to push you into a decision. He's trying to push you into somewhere else. God's voice reassures you. Gives you this confidence. Satan's voice frightens you. Scares you. Threatens you. God's voice clarifies things for you. It makes things make sense. It, it makes you understand things. But Satan's voice confuses you. What did make sense, now you're confused about. God's voice encourages you. That's what prophecy is. It encourages, it edifies, it builds up, it exhorts you, it encourages, it strengthens you. Encourage means to place courage on the inside of you. But Satan's voice discourages you. God's voice comforts you. But Satan's voice worries you. The next one. God's voice convicts you. It will point out your sin and convict you of sin by showing you the worthiness of Jesus and the value of the blood. But Satan's voice condemns you and thinks you can never be forgiven again. God's voice humbles you. It makes you dependent on God and his grace. But Satan's voice exalts you and makes you think that you're the pinnacle of all things. God's voice crucifies the flesh. Satan's voice gratifies the flesh. If I could tell you one thing, if you just get this one right. God's voice crucifies, Satan's voice gratifies. You will bypass all temptation if you just get that one point. God's voice forgives, Satan's voice accuses. God's voice heals you, Satan's voice hurts. God's voice reveals truth to you through scripture and through his word. Satan's voice questions the truth. And when you can start to see that there's primarily two voices... You can discern the real from the fake. And when you can discern the real from the fake, you can be led by the Holy Spirit and walk in what he has for you. So the question would be, well, okay, pastor, if God is speaking to me, okay, I got these. God leads and Satan pushes. But how can I discern between the voices of my life? How can I discern? Well, one is this. You always confirm God's voice with God's word. Touch your neighbor and say the word. The word. God's already spoken. He gave us exactly what he's going to say in this book. So how do you do that? Is what I'm hearing aligned with God's word or does it not? If it aligns with God's word, it could be God's voice. One person said, when we are filled with God's words, we will become more familiar with God's voice. Why? Because I know how he talks. He's not going to talk differently to, to me than he does in scripture. I, I know how he talks to confirm God's voice with God's people. So Samuel does, he goes to Eli and says, hey, hey, like, here's this voice that keeps calling my name. He says, oh, that's, that's God's voice. You need to be connected to community so you can help discern the voices in your life. It is arrogant to think that you can hear God and discern God all by yourself. I will tell you, I'm overly submitted to people in my life. And it's because of this. I've watched pastors, the older they get, the more arrogant and independent they get to think they're the only ones that can hear God. And what I discovered was they could still hear God, but they had trouble discerning God through their own emotions, their own power, their own will, and their own desires. You need other people in your life to help you confirm God's 
voice. That is where the spiritual authority, maybe for you it's a small group leader here at the church, maybe it's a a staff pastor, maybe it's me. I have my own pastor. I'll call at least once a month and just say, here's what I feel like God is saying. He'll say, no, bad, but you're way off. That's very selfish. Or he'll say, no, I believe that's God. You need people in your life to confirm God's voice. Number three, confirm God's voice with God's peace. Does the voice give you peace or does it give you worry? If it gives you anxiety, it's not God's voice. Confirm God's voice with God's character. Is it holy? Is it righteous? Is it beautiful? Is it peaceful? Is it steady? Is it still? Does it glorify Jesus? If it doesn't have God's character, then it's not his voice. And last but not least, confirm God's voice with God's glory. Does it give God glory or does it give you glory? And I'll promise you, nine times out of ten I've heard people say, oh, God's telling me to do this. I'm like, oh, mm, I don't think so. Well, how can you say that? I'm like, because that doesn't glorify God at all. It only gives you what you want. If it only gives you what you want, that's how Satan speaks to you. God tells you to do what he wants. You submit to his will. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wasn't doing what he wanted to do. He was struggling with this battle between fulfilling God's will or fulfilling his own will. And God's voice will always be confirmed by his glory. And so that's how you confirm his voice. But how do you hear God's voice? Like, that's really what all of us in this room really want to know. Pastor, how can I hear God's voice? I will tell you, most of us don't hear God's voice because we don't give him our attention. We don't hear God's voice because we don't give him our attention. We're so busy focused on everything else. We want God. Kind of like, remember the old TV programming before streaming and Hulu and Netflix? You'd be watching your TV and your favorite show, and it'd be like, hey, we interrupt the regularly scheduled broadcast for the president to speak. No one wants to watch the president speak. I want to watch Golden Girls, please. They'd interrupt. We want God to interrupt. We don't want to give any attention. We don't want to tune into his channel. We don't want to listen to him. We want to do our own thing, and we want God to interrupt our regularly scheduled program. God is not going to interrupt you. He's going to whisper. And the easiest way to hear his whisper is to go ahead and give him your attention. And so three things out of this scripture I I want to give you is this. First is this. If you want to hear God's voice, if you really want to hear his voice, you have to move closer. Move closer. Touch your neighbor and say, move closer. You have to move closer. Why is that important? Because James 4, 8 says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Samuel, the scripture, is sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant. He can't get any closer to God than he can get. He has pursued and pushed past everything to be sleeping right next to God. I don't know about you, but if you're going to hear God speak, I think sleeping next to him is the best way to hear him speak. It's powerful. Here's so many people say, well, I just can't hear God speak. Then move closer. It's like your Wi-Fi at your house. If your Wi-Fi is not picking up, you can always, one, pick up your neighbor's Wi-Fi, or two, Move closer to the router. Why? The closer you get to the router, the stronger the signal gets. And so if you're struggling hearing God speak, you have to realize that prayer is the Wi-Fi router of heaven. And if I can't hear God speak, if the signal's not strong enough, maybe you need to move closer to begin to hear his voice more clearly. Uh, One person years ago was talking about this young boy. There was this icebox way back in the day when they didn't have refrigerators or freezers, and they'd keep ice in a shed. And this had sawdust on the bottom, 
And a guy delivered ice and he lost his watch inside this ice box. Right? Well, it's completely dark. There's no way to see in there. They didn't have flashlights at this time. And they couldn't find this watch. And everybody went in trying to scoundrel through the sawdust, trying to find this watch. They couldn't find it. Finally, this one little boy comes in. He shuts the door. And he comes back out with his watch. And all these people are like, how in the world? Like, we've been looking for three days for this watch. How did you find it? He said, simply, I laid down in complete silence, and I started listening for the tick, 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 tick. And I followed the sound of the ticking. In the same way, if you want to hear God's voice, sometimes you have to tune out all the other things in your life and simply begin to listening to the small ticks of God's voice that will draw you into his presence. I think it's powerful in this story that I know it's Old Testament, but, but Eli and Samuel, Eli's in a similar place, but it says Eli's in his quarters. Samuel is sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant, which is the representation of the presence of God in the Old Testament. And so he's sleeping there. And if you go to Exodus 25, verse 22, it says this. It says, there I will meet with you. This is God talking to Moses. And from above the mercy seat. Everybody say mercy seat. Which is on top of the Ark of the Covenant. It's the seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. From between the two cherubim that on the Ark of the Testimony, I will speak with you all about all that I give you in commandment for the people of Israel. God is telling Moses that he speaks from the mercy seat. And it is powerful because that mercy seat is on top of his on, on the ark of the covenant where Samuel is sleeping but two it tells me that God speaks from a place of mercy he does not speak from a place of judgment he does not speak from a place of of I'm higher than you and you, you know what are you doing Bobby you're stupid like he speaks from this place of mercy and as you pursue mercy you begin to hear God's voice in the in this tabernacle this temple that that Samuel's at it's it's beautiful to me that if you see the layout of the of tabernacle which I was going to preach on this but it was too deep for y'all y'all ain't ready for it yet so I'll save for another time would you find out he's in the the ark of the covenant that's the holy of holies and so the tabernacle the temple you have the outer court you have the holy place and you have the holy of holies Samuel could have easily stayed and slept out in the outer court but he wasn't satisfied with the outer court. The outer court, there's a place of the brazen altar where the sacrifices were made and they were burnt up. To me, that would be the place of the cross. That's where the, the great sacrifice was laid for you and I. It's a place of, of worship on the outer side. We, we sacrifice to God. Then you had the, the, the laver, which is the place of washing, renewal, cleansing. He could have stayed out there in the outer court and be like, hey, I made the sacrifice. I worship Jesus. Hey, I'm clean now. I'm good. But he wasn't satisfied with that. And there's so many believers that they stop at the cross and they move no farther than that. They're satisfied with the sacrifice laid on the altar for them of Jesus. They're satisfied with the cleansing of the water of baptism. And they stay there. But God doesn't speak in the outer courts. He speaks in the Holy of Holies. And there's some believers that walk into the holy place. In the holy place you have the table of showbread and the candlestick and all that other stuff. And they're there and they get there and they're satisfied with the word of God being the showbread. I'm just going to read the word of God. In the presence of the Holy Spirit where they can see the candles which you can't read the word without the illumination of the light of the Holy Spirit. In the incense which is the praise. And so for many of us we're satisfied with coming to church, getting our little praise on, hearing the word, getting a little prayer in. And we're satisfied with that. But guess what? God doesn't speak in the holy place. And Samuel wasn't satisfied in the holy place. He kept on moving, and he goes straight into the presence of God, into the holy of holies. 
And he makes himself at home in front of the Ark of the Covenant. I love church. I could be in church. Y'all made up. I could be at church during COVID. Pastor Dylan was here. He's like, man, we've been at church every day for like three weeks. I'm like, I love it. I love church. I don't just love our church. I love going to church. I love the worship. I love the preaching. I love the insight. I love the crazy people that do the weird stuff. I love it all. Like, I love it all. But God doesn't speak in the holy place. This is the holy place. He speaks in the holy of holies, which is a place of pursuit. It's a place of risk. Actually, in the Old Testament, the priests would put bells around the bottom of their garments because they were so afraid to walk into the Holy of Holies that if they weren't cleansed, if they weren't proper, they may die in the presence of the Lord. But they took the risk because the voice of God is that important. Like we had to tell you, if you don't hear God's voice, maybe it's because you're an outer court Christian. You are satisfied with Jesus paying the cross, but you're not willing to sacrifice and move into his presence. Maybe if you don't hear God's voice, it's because you're a holy place Christian. You love the word, you love the spirit, but you're not willing to take the risk to go all in, to move into that holy place and make yourself at home in the presence of God. And I can tell, I can tell the people who make themselves at home in the presence of the Lord. In church, during worship, I can see those that when they worship, this is not Sunday morning for them. This is just their daily experience. I can see people that they're so familiar with the presence of God. This isn't a special occasion. This is just an overflow of what goes on within my own temple every single day. I'm here to tell you that if you want to hear God's voice, there is a price to pay. And it is the price to pursue him and passionately push through the sacrifice, push through the holy place and move into a place where you're as close as possible to hear his voice. But number two, if you want to if you want to really hear his voice, now just move closer. You've got to give him your full attention. Full attention. Not just, well, you know, if he speaks, I'll, you know, I'll, hopefully I hear it. No, no. You should, he should have so much of your attention that if he doesn't speak, nobody speaks. He should have so much of your attention that if you don't hear his voice, you hear nothing else. He should have your full, upright, undivided attention. And in our ADHD world, that is hard. I will tell you, when I'm in prayer, if my phone is anywhere close, and, I, and I actually, this year I'm doing my Bible reading plan on my Bible app, which is Logos, which I use for preaching. And I have my, my prayer points on my phone. Next year I'm not doing that because I'll be in prayer, I'll put a note in my phone, and next thing I know I'm on Instagram. And then my prayer life is disturbed because I see all the crazy church people. I'm like, why would they post that? Right? Our, our minds are so full of ADHD it's very difficult for God to speak into an ADHD mind because he whispers. He doesn't yell. He doesn't scream. He whispers. And with so much stuff going on, it's hard to hear his whisper. Bernie Cross was a guy who did all these National Geographic shows and all these videos, and his job was to capture scenic sounds, Right? And as he captures these scenic sounds, if you hear natural drinking, you hear the crickets, you'll hear the birds, you'll hear the wind, you'll hear all these amazing sound effects. Nine times out of ten, that's Bernie Cross. But here's what he said, which blows my mind. As he recorded nature soundscapes, in 1968, it would take him 15 hours to record one hour of undisturbed audio in nature. But today it takes him more than 2,000 hours to record one hour of undisturbed audio in nature. Do you get that? That even in nature is ADHD. Even in nature, there's 
planes flying over. There's cars going around, even in nature. So how can we, as people in this ADHD world, hear God's voice? I will tell you, it is a sacrifice. It is a discipline to give him your attention. So I promise you, if Nick Saban came into your office or came into your house, you'd give him your full undivided attention. And so attention is not dictated on ADHD or your attention span. Attention is dictated on what you prioritize. If you prioritize the voice of God, you'll give the voice of God your full attention. See this in Exodus chapter 3 with Moses, one of my favorite scriptures. I say that about every scripture, but Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, and the priest immediately, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. And came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw, everybody say the Lord saw. What did he say? He saw that he turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now, leave that scripture up. Go back one more. Go to verse 4. It's interesting to me that God was there. God was in the bush. Moses saw the burning bush, but God did not speak to Moses until God saw that he turned aside to give his attention to this bush. I will tell you, there's so many times you can be around the presence of God, you can be around the burning bushes of God, but until you give God your attention, he's not going to speak. He's not going to waste his voice on a bunch of ADHD people who are more consumed with ESPN Sports Center or TikTok or Snapchat. Why would he waste his valuable, pure, life-changing voice if you're not giving him your attention? This principle is powerful. What is giving God your attention? That's worship. Worship, where I, I gaze into the presence of God. Worship is nothing more than this, drawing your attention away from yourself, away from what you need, away from the distractions, and giving your attention, giving your mind, giving your heart, giving your spirit, giving your body to God. That's what worship, it's drawing your attention to God in his presence. That's what Moses did. When Moses turns the side, he literally says, I'm going to turn aside and give my attention to this phenomenal event that's happening, which is the presence of God. And as he gave his attention to God, God began to speak and say, Moses, Moses. How many of you would love to hear God say your name? How many of you would love to hear God give you this incredible plan, not just for you, but of deliverance for your family? That comes from giving God your full attention. Through corporate worship, nine times out of ten, the times have heard the voice of God the most clearly have been in a, a corporate worship service or a corporate prayer service. There's also your private worship. When I'm, I'm praying, I'm, pr I'm worshiping, I'm praising God. Maybe for you, when you go hunting or golfing or outside your back porch, walking your dog, maybe it's when all the distractions are out of the way and you give your attention fully to God. When you give your attention fully to God, he'll give you his full undivided attention. But number three is this. So it's not just moving closer or giving your attention. If you want to hear God's voice more clearly, you have to give him your permission. Touch your neighbor and say permission. Why? God is not a bully. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself into, his, into your life. The one thing God cannot touch is your free will. Now, if you're Reformed or Calvinist, I'm sorry, you're mad. But God cannot touch your free will. 
That's why the entire Bible is trying to convince people or influence people to choose to follow God. He woos us. He loves us. He gives us grace. He gives all these things to draw us to choose to give our permission from ourselves to him. He whispers. He's a gentleman. And here's what happens in the scripture is that Sam, Eli's obviously distracted from God's voice because he's proud. And there's two types of pride. There's religious pride where you don't believe God does speak. So you just think, okay, I don't need God to speak because God doesn't speak. That's religious pride. And if you don't believe God speaks, guess what? He's probably not going to speak to you. The second one is spiritual pride where you think you don't need God to speak because you got it all figured out. That's what we call a Pharisee. And so God's not going to speak to you if you don't think you need to hear his voice. Why? Because you're not going to obey it anyway. That's pride. Pride, God opposes the proud but gives more grace, grace's favor to the humble. Here's what Eli says. He says, listen, if you hear the voice again, go back and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. What was he doing? He is giving God permission to speak into his life. I will tell you, if you truly want to hear God speak, remove all the caveats, all the loopholes in the contract, and say, I've heard people do this with being filled with the Holy Spirit. God, I want to be filled with your spirit, but I do not want to pray in tongues. Guess what? You're probably not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? You don't get to take what God wants in your own package. You get it all or you get it nothing. If you really want to hear God speak, say, God, I need to hear your voice in this situation. And whatever you say, I'm going to do. Speak, Lord. I'm your servant. Whatever you say, I will obey and I will do. I promise you, you'll hear God's word. And I've been on the other side of that where I was on the far end where I'm like, God, I don't want to hear anything else. Like years ago, I was so burnt out by the prophetic, like I was tired of the manipulation. I was tired of everybody having a word from God except for God. And I was done with it. And Ray Sartain was there, went to an Every Nation pastor's prayer meeting in Nashville. I'm at the dinner on Friday night, and a James Lowe, who's Debbie Winans of the BBCC Winans family, who's a good friend of mine, James was there. First time, I didn't know anybody in the room. And they said, hey, tomorrow at our, our prayer meeting, we have this uh, prophetic guy, Jim Critcher, is going to come, and he's going to give prophetic words over some of the pastors. And I was like, oh, heck no. And James says, hey, I was like, man, I'm not coming. I was like, I'm done with the prophetic, man. I'm tired of all this junk, and I explained everything to him. He said, listen, we don't do that like that here. It's in order. He's like, anytime somebody gets a prophetic word, you'll see everybody pull their phones out and record it. Because one, it lets us test it. But two, if it's really God speaking, we want to be able to keep it so we can remember it. And I was like, I went to bed that night. <laughs> you pray, we're up there. I was like, God, I so don't want to hear any prophetic words. But if it's you, I'll listen and I'll do whatever you say. Which is always dangerous. Next day we have worship, they have a little bit of prayer, and then they say, hey, here's Jim Critcher. And literally the first, I'll tell you, the first, you know, the whole room's there. He's like, oh, you. And I'm like, God. And everybody starts recording it, and he gives me one of those powerful words. I listen, I, listen, I got to record it. I listen to it every single year. But it only happened because I was open enough and humble enough to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so for you, Maybe you've been struggling hearing God's word. I will tell you one of those three things. Either one, you're not close enough. God can speak to you anywhere, but I promise you, he speaks the most from the middle of his presence. 
or two, you're not giving him your attention. You're wanting him to give you the big sign in the sky, but you need to give him your attention. Or three, you're proud. Or you're full of sin and your heart is hard because you're unrepentant like Eli. And the easiest way to break through is one, repent, but two, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And when you give him permission, God can do anything with a person who gives him full permission. And as you give him full permission, I pray he speaks into your life. You hear his voice and you obey his voice to follow him wherever he leads you. I just want everybody to close your eyes just for a second. I'm not going to do an altar call. I want you to begin to listen for God's voice. As it gets quiet here in just a second, if there is anything in your heart that's hardened, any pride where you thought, well, God doesn't speak today or I don't need to hear God's voice, I want you to tell God I'm sorry. I need your voice more than I need my voice. And repent of any sin. And then two, just simply say this, this prayer. Everybody in the room, just say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. He speaks in incredible ways. We're going to unpack all the different ways God speaks next week. But for you, maybe it's a little impression in your spirit. Maybe it's a little soft whisper in your heart. Maybe it's a, a vision that God gives you. Maybe it's an impression in your body. Maybe you've been looking for healing. Maybe whatever needs healed, all of a sudden you start feeling something in that part of your body. That's God speaking to that part to bring healing in that part. pray for everyone in this room, Father, as they lay down at night, as they wake up in the morning, they become so familiar with your voice, they can easily spot the fake. Father, I pray for a holy hunger in them like Samuel. They desire your presence. They move past even the cross and past the church and move into being pursuers and passionate about your presence. Father, I pray they can cut through the noise of life, through the ADHD, through the attention spans, and give you their full attention. Daily, they have moments of just full attention. Father, also, they give you your permission. They give you permission to speak. I pray their prayers just speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Father, as they do, I pray your voice becomes loud in their lives. As they sleep, they have dreams. And during the day, they have visions. Father, in their prayer life, they have impressions. And Father, you begin to whisper over their lives continually throughout the day. So, Father, we pray that you lead us, you guide us, you direct us by your voice. With every head bowed, every eye closed. You said you're in the room. Maybe you've never heard God's voice because you've never walked through that sacrifice of Jesus. Maybe you're not one of his sheep. Maybe you've been in church and you've been around church kind of like Samuel was, but you've never really known God. You can only know him through his son Jesus, which is through confessing your sin, repenting your sin, and giving your life to him to follow him. 
That's you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm going to simply just ask you to just quickly just raise your hand. So that's me, Pastor. I need to say yes to Jesus and start over. Anybody else? Just the one. Thank you. Just give me your hands. You can put them down if you raised them. I'm going to pray for you that you raise your hands. I'm going to ask you to do me one favor before you leave. Before you leave, you stop by Connection Point out in the main lobby. Just say, hey, I raised my hand with Pastor. They want to put a gift in your hand that helps you along the journey. It will actually help you hear God's voice more clearly that we want to walk beside you. But Father, we thank you for your voice, but we thank you for the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the work of Jesus, and that we can rest and trust in his finished work. Father, for those that raise their hand confessing you and needing you, Father, I pray they repent of their sins, they, they pursue you with all their heart as they've been made new in you. Father, I pray that your, your voice becomes the primary voice of their lives. It becomes the, the GPS of their lives, and you lead them from grace to grace and glory to glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen. If you would stand to your feet as we dismiss, if we can our prayer team come up. If you need prayer for anything, our prayer team will be down front to pray with you. But happy Father's Day to all the fathers. If you're a guest swing by Connection Point, we love you. We'll see you next Sunday. Be blessed.